This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Intel launches Ice Lake. NVIDIA looks ahead to Project Grace. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Tiffany Trader. And Tiffany, This Week in HPC, we've got kind of a twofer. The news has been coming fast and furious with a bunch of launches we previously covered, the AMD third-generation Epic Milan, and now we've got a couple of other stories to catch up on. Let's start with the awaited launch of Ice Lake from Intel. This is the third generation Intel Xeon scalable processor. So yes, this long-awaited launch, Intel officially has launched its third gen Intel Xeon scalable. It's a 10 nanometer data center CPU codenamed Ice Lake. Uh, It's got uh, up to 40 Sunny Cove cores per processor, built-in acceleration, new new instructions. It's got the, the AVX AVX 512 instructions, as a matter of fact, um, and they say it's offering a significant performance boost for AI, HPC, networking, cloud, and they offered a range of benchmarks to that uh, effect that we'll, we'll get into a little later, but they offered some uh, gen over gen benchmarks and then competitive benchmarks uh, against the AMD Epic third gen. So here we're seeing this third gen to third gen, uh, you know, um, play, playing off between AMD and Intel. Uh, but a few more of the specs on this, they're increasing the, the core count with Ice Lake from 28 cores uh, to 40 versus the previous gen Cascade Lake. And they also, they're providing eight channels of DDR4 3200 memory per socket and up to 64 lanes of PCIe Gen 4 per socket. And this is their first their first Gen 4 server chip, and it has these eight channels of DDR4 compared to six channels in the previous gen. And that allows it to support up to six terabytes of system memory per socket using a combination of Optane Persistent Memory 200 series, that's PMEM for short, uh, combined with traditional DRAM, whereas the the previous platform supported 4.5 terabytes. Yeah, they had some new Optane announcements as well, and that goes a little bit beyond what we're really going to be able to talk about in this podcast, which is already chock full of news. But I'm a big fan of Optane, and that news is worth looking at on HPC Wire. But here we're all about HPC on This Week in HPC. There are some AI performance increases as well, which we'll double back around on. But let's dig into those benchmarks that you were talking about. At the top line, they're claiming a 20% improvement in instructions per clock. And that's creating an average 46% performance increase across integer, floating point, stream triad, which is basically memory bandwidth, and LINPAC. That's a geometric mean increase across those four. And Tiffany, your article on HPC Wire digs into some things that are even behind that with uh, uh, different benchmarks that are domain-specific, looking at generational improvement of uh, Ice Lake over Cascade Lake. Yeah, so one, one slide that they showed off shows uh, 12 HPC applications, and these are gen over gen speed uh, speed ups. They have got 58% higher performance on the weather forecasting code WARF, uh, 70% up improvement on Monte Carlo, 51% uh, open foam, um, 57% NAMD. And as you were pointing out, um, they also ran a uh, LIMPAC, and they got uh, 40 uh, no, 38% higher performance on LIMPAC, 
41% higher performance on HPCG, which is really a um, good way to uh, stress test the uh, HPC systems, and then 47% faster on Stream Triad, which you pointed out. Yeah, I really like Stream Triad as a as a memory performance benchmark. It was one that I remember talking about a lot going back to 20 years ago when I was a marketing whelp at SGI, and uh, and we didn't hear about it for a long time. I think largely because processors weren't that good at it, and it's been the recent resurgence in ARM that has brought uh, I think a, an increased focus on the Stream Triad again. I'm glad to see that benchmark back. Um, now, I mentioned AI briefly. They're also claiming now a 74% improvement in AI inference. And uh, Corporate Vice President Lisa Spellman, as part of the launch event, was saying this is the only data center processor with built-in AI acceleration thanks to DL Boost. Yeah, um, and also the five AVX 512 instructions are really important, really important for these benchmarks as well. One of the interesting things they, they benchmarks they pointed out was with the uh, the top bin part, which is the 40 core 8380 platinum, that it achieved 62% better performance with, on the Limpack with that AVX 512 on versus uh, the, the older instructions at the AVX uh, 2. So that's uh, contributing to significant performance gains. Yeah, absolutely. And there's even been some discussion on Twitter and, and in various articles about the reliance on AVX 512 here. Clearly, you know, Intel is trying to hit the benchmarks and they're doing better with AVX 512 on versus off. So they're going to leverage it and go win these uh, benchmarking wars to the extent they can, leveraging it. Uh, let's just fully embrace it as a feature of the third generation Intel Xeon scalable processors. Another cool feature here that uh, Trish Damkroger talked about when we spoke with her, she's the uh, VP and GM of HPC there, she was emphasizing this uh, speed select technology, SST technology uh, by Intel, which enables granular control and, and throttling over the processor frequency, the core count, and the power. And this, this was uh, somewhat introduced with the previous gen, Cascade Lake, but previously it only facilitated uh, configuring the frequency, but now with Ice Lake, there's the added ability to control and dynamically adjust the core count and power. So I think that's pretty neat. It gives users a way to, in, in a sense, create their own custom uh, SKU, but in a, in a software-defined way. Yeah, I appreciate you highlighting that one, Tiffany. I, I'm also interested in that feature because obviously we talk about here are all these different SKUs and you get to uh, balance out cost, bandwidth, um, frequency and and core count and now here's your chance to really tailor that after it's installed and say well for some of my workloads I want to configure it a little differently the speed select feature I think is noteworthy and especially in the mixed workload environments that we tend to see so many of uh, definitely a, a, an interesting feature yeah, and speaking of uh, SKUs uh, the Ice Lake family includes 56 standard SKUs that's a lot. Uh, so they've grouped them. Hopefully, they've grouped them into into ten segments, and you can see as you can link um, our article, our coverage links to a, a SKU chart to see what those look like. Um, and then there's also, of course, uh, lots of custom SKUs as well. But their their standard SKU family ranges from eight cores uh, to to uh, the uh, forty cores that we mentioned, and then it tops out at two hundred seventy watts. And by comparison, AMD's recently announced Epic Milan CPUs, their, their third gen, 
Um, they are available in 19 SKUs from a, their flagship 64 core version down to uh, eight core versions. And those top out at 280 watts max TDP for their top end part, the 7763 Milan. And I appreciate you bringing up the Milan comparison because ultimately this is going to be the battle in the market. And we completed a, an HPC technology survey, our most recent one, before these product announcements went out as sort of a, a, a last state of the market before these launches. And 98% of HPC users out there using Intel CPUs somewhere, 88% have it in broad usage. So no surprise there that Intel is still the dominant x86 CPU across everything. But AMD had really come up quite a lot with 23% of respondents saying they have AMD also in broad usage, usually going to be in parallel together with Intel. And But then when you look at who's got it in somewhere, it now goes up to 70% of HPC users uh, report that they have AMD processors somewhere in their HPC environment. And that's before getting into these new launches. So now, clearly, we're going head to head, and some benchmarks. Milan looks like it's coming out on top. Some of them, uh, uh, the uh, Intel Ice Lake looks like it's coming out on top. I think for a lot of the a lot of the market, you could say tie goes to Intel. If if they're about the same, then why do I need to go do something different? But to the extent that um, you know, AMD is winning in some of these areas. Well, maybe they are providing uh, an argument for you ought to be running uh, AMD instead of Intel. Now, that's before we get into the dynamics with ARM also in the market. This is the first time we measured ARM had a greater penetration than power, uh, which has been going the other direction. IBM Power uh, slowly exiting the market while ARM comes up. And that'll relate to some of the other news that we have in the market as well. But it, it's just going to be fascinating to watch how this plays out as uh, Epic uh, goes head to head with Xeon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, one other thing we, that caught our attention is that there, there uh, was not an AP advanced processor model announced here like there was with Cascade Lake, uh, which essentially uh, puts six, six, two of the, the CPUs together in a, in a multi-chip module. One thing that Intel didn't reveal is whether or not they plan to release a multi-chip module version of Ice Lake, which you know would be a follow-on to what they did with Cascade Lake, which essentially glue, glues two of these uh, CPUs together. So 40 core times two, you know, potentially they could get 80 cores in a single multi-chip module. But when you're looking at 270 watts per processor and you multiply that by two, you're at 540. So even throttle to 500, I'm not sure how feasible with that would be. Yeah, that would be a follow-on to the Cascade Lake AP version and no announcement of that. I'm not sure that we'll see that from Intel here. Also this week in HPC, it's been the GPU Technology Conference, GTC from NVIDIA. And of course, that came with a, a, a large raft of news. But interestingly enough, not so much on the GPU side. Yeah, there's a little bit there and, and NVIDIA is definitely doing graphics. But here, the bigger news to me is definitely on the CPU side is NVIDIA announced Project Grace. 
There are a lot of interesting things about this one, Addison. Um, it's NVIDIA's first RMCU, first of all. Um, it's It'll be based on future generation Neoverse cores, although they said next generation um, two a couple times. So the, t the timeline could be right for the Neoverse Poseidon core. That would be at five or three nanometers. Uh, ARM listed, uh, listed as um, three slash five nanometer on their, their, their roadmap slide. And uh, Project Grace, as uh, CEO Jensen is referring to it, um, it actually has a lineage that extends back to, you know, remember Project Project Denver? That was uh, NVIDIA's uh, 2011 plan for a combined uh, CPU, GPU processor. Uh, it's leveraging, um, so it's going to leverage uh, future Neoverse cores, future GPU cores, and then also the, the next generation, the fourth generation, and VLink uh, technology, interconnect which they say will provide uh, greater than 900 gigabytes per second aggregate bandwidth uh, between the ARM CPU and the, the future gen NVIDIA GPU, as well it will, as well it will provide uh, CPU to CPU greater than 600 uh, gigabytes per second aggregate bandwidth. So, so it's a big um, increase in bandwidth there. Yeah, definitely focused on uh, system bandwidth, memory bandwidth. There, there's a lot going for that in terms of uh, the ARM architecture. Now, this is a future product. We're looking out into 2023 for this. And I appreciate you brought up Project Denver because I think a lot of us are going to be looking ahead to what's the CPU-GPU integration here. 2023, we'll put them into the market with that behind both Intel and AMD who are not only CPU vendors, but each have their own GPUs, uh, AMD in the market now, Intel on their roadmap. And as we get into Exascale, we'll start seeing some integrated CPU, GPU packaging. But to me, this was expected from NVIDIA that they would be getting into the ARM CPU game. The really interesting thing to me here is that we're seeing the announcement of Project Grace and this ARM CPU prior to the final approval and closing of the planned ARM acquisition by NVIDIA. I think that timing becomes interesting. I wonder if they would have been better served to hold this news until at least after the approval was a done deal, but it's out in the market now. They wanted the news for GTC and they got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, this is a uh, Grace named after the the famous American programmer Grace Hopper that they're announcing, and then this announcement, uh, as you said, it comes before the full approval or closing of that ARM deal. Um, but it, it does follow Nvidia's 2019 declaration of intent to fully embrace ARM and, and support it as a full citizen, along with the GPU, and it, and it of course follows its September 2020 announcement that it, you know, of its intention to acquire ARM uh, as well, um, and. When you look at this, you know, it is an interesting um, future architecture. There's this one-to-one -one GPU ratio, as you can see from the Grace SOC photo that NVIDIA put out. You can, you can see that on, uh, on our HPC wire coverage. Uh, NVIDIA says it's aiming to deliver a spec int rate of 300 per CPU. That's on the spec rate 2017 int base benchmark. And then in, in, in his keynote, uh, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang said, um, indicated a a future 8 GPU DGX, DGX would deliver 2400 spec rate 2017 um, versus a current 8 GPU DGX, which achieves 450 spec rate. So that's a huge jump. That's a 5.3x jump. So that's, that'll be really um, 
interesting if they're, you know, if they're able to achieve that. And I know you, you um, also saw some interesting things in the specs that were put, put, put out. Well, yeah, uh, most notably that they were talking about two terabytes a second of system memory bandwidth, you know, coming out of, out of this chip. I mean, that's a lot of uh, of memory bandwidth. Speaking of future announcements, they're also saying that it'll go into a next generation of the Alp supercomputer at CSCS in Switzerland, where now they'll be upgrading to 20 exaflops of AI performance. Now, this gets into the category of I used to know how much an exaflop was. When you start talking about AI exaflops, I'm no longer so sure. Nevertheless, it still sounds impressive. Now, that's not a brand new supercomputer coming in 2023. That'll be an upgrade to the Alp supercomputer that they've already got there, uh, but uh, showing a long-term commitment to AI going into Switzerland. Yeah, so that's 20 exaflops. They're, they're saying 20 exaflops of AI performance. So uh, currently, NVIDIA's, quote, AI petaflops, AI performance, um, they make you, it makes use of um, NVIDIA's mixed precision arithmetic uh, and their sparsity feature. And it comes out, by our calculations, it comes out to about 45x the Limpact performance. So if that pattern holds for the 20, petaf 20 exaflops, you can divide by 45 and you get 435 double precision petaflops. I don't know if it will hold. We're talking about 2023. We're talking about a next generation GPU. Um, and then another way to do the same math is that they're saying it's 7, 7x the capability of NVIDIA's Selene supercomputer, which also would come out to about the same number. Or another way to put that is it's uh, roughly seven times the capability of NVIDIA's Selene supercomputer, which is currently number five on the top 500 with uh, 63 and a half petaflops. Um, again, it's speculate. It's somewhat speculation because you know things things will certainly change with the next generation uh, GPU architecture that will be out when they when they do this. I just want to circle back for just a second to the specs we were going through. So it's one more interesting thing here is the uh, memory subsystem. That one is leveraging LPDDR5X memory technology mainly associated with the mobile world. And that has twice as twice the bandwidth of today's DDR4 and is 10 times more energy efficient, according to NVIDIA. Uh, another thing I took note of is that the, um, the, the node design here, it's a one-to-one -one ratio of uh, CPU to GPU. You can see that in that SOC. And currently, the sweet spot for GPU servers, it's, it's about four to one. The current DGX, it's 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 four to one. You have the uh, the two CPUs and the eight GPUs, and and his keynote, Jensen, showed that the diagram with the four CPUs and four GPUs. I think it's reasonable that we'd expect to see a four plus four node like that. But then, given his spec claims, uh, there's some hints there that we might be seeing an eight plus eight eight node as well. So, I mean, that's that'll be really interesting and something to wa to watch out for. We would expect that that would use Nvidia's uh might might use Nvidia's NV switch in there. There were some current DGX SuperPod upgrade uh, announced as well, uh, going out to 90 terabytes of HBM2 memory capacity now uh, as upgraded in the DGX SuperPod. That's due to the A180 gigabyte uh, cards. That was previously announced, but also uh, related to that, the other big DGX SuperPod upgrade is related to the other portion of the uh, NVIDIA news that's coming out. They announced a, a new NVIDIA Bluefield 3. This is their 
DPU, their data center processing unit on the networking side. Now, DGX SuperPod upgrades, they're talking about upgrading those to Bluefield 2. This is now a Bluefield 3, which will go out to 400 gigabits per second data center infrastructure processor. That's a 22 billion transistor part uh, going out forward to uh, Bluefield 3. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there are actually now uh, three Cambridge systems, and I want to get into that in just a second. But I wanted to also make sure we didn't leave off the uh, U.S. Department of Energy Los Alamos system. So there's, there's going to be two systems expected in 2023 with the gray CPU. So one of them, of course, is CS, CS which you covered. The other one is Los Alamos. And we, we don't have a name on that system yet, um, but the, uh, the the Swiss system, of course, is, is Alps, as you were discussing. Good so point. With, Thanks for catching yeah. me on that. Now tell me about Bluefield. Sure thing. So, well, you might have some more specs on, on Bluefield, but I thought it was interesting. There's these three, these, these three Cambridge systems. So in case there's any... If, obviously potentially confusing um, on that. There's there's the new the new ones are related to uh, the, the DRAC um, infrastructure. Uh, and this is, uh, the, there's a Cambridge University system built by Dell, which is combining the Bluefield D, Bluefield 3 DPUs, the new DPUs into the super, super pod. And NVIDIA is calling it the, the with this, the Bluefield technology, NVIDIA is calling it the world's first native super, supercomputer, the world's first cloud native supercomputer. Um, but hyperbole aside, it's actually kind of cool. Uh, the DPU is providing this isolation and separation that is very much sought, sought after by certain sectors with healthcare being a leading use case. Um, and that system is about four petaflops limb pack. And then there's a sister system at the University of Durham. This is the Cosma 8 system built uh, also built by Dell. They're both built by Dell. And both of those systems uh, are on the DRAC architecture infrastructure, like I said, where that stands for distributed research utilizing advanced computing in, um, in the UK. Uh, and like I said, it's pretty interesting. So I invite our listeners, if they haven't already, to check out the two articles on that on the um, HPC Wire site. Uh, but if I may, I did want to clear up, also clear up like any confusion about uh, the, all these different Cambridge systems. So uh, one thing that I thought was that interesting that stood out to me at the launch was something that I was kind of expecting since I've been um, had a, had an inkling that they they might be saying something about an uh, the ARM CPU. Well, there was no mention of the, a Cambridge the Cambridge AI Research Center system um, that was pre-announced last fall in September. So that was one that they had just, they had said last fall they were going to announce this new uh, Cambridge AI Research Center that was um, going to use ARM CPUs and NVIDIA GPUs. Um, so the Jensen Huang, Jensen Huang, the CEO, wrote in a time that, wrote in a blog at the time that the facility would serve as a hub for collaboration by AI researchers, scientists, and startups across the UK. Um, and there was, contrary to some speculation in the British press, um, that maybe the project, um, the, uh, as to the status of the project, we heard directly from NVIDIA as uh, recently as, as this week um, that the system is still on track, the project is still on track, and they consider another Cambridge system uh, called the Cambridge One system as kind of an informal runway machine to the, the, the upcoming one, which will use um, an ARM CPU. Unspecified, by the way. I mean, yes. We suspect it's NVIDIA's ARM CPU, but they haven't actually specified that. Um, so when we saw Grace and got the pre-re pre thing, um, I thought, you know, I thought we might see that that as the flagship 
the as, as a flagship centerpiece system, but and maybe it still will be. But Nvidia isn't ready to say anything yet. They did confirm it was still going forward, and they also confirmed that it is not tied to the closing or pending the closing of the ARM deal. So I thought that was interesting. So three three Cambridge systems. Yeah, that will be interesting to keep watching. And you're right, we have to clarify which Cambridge system here. The Cambridge has been hot. They're they're installing a lot of things here. I do want to get in some of these specs on Bluefield uh, before we wrap up the podcast. I know we've been going wrong, long for our listeners, but this was another big announcement for NVIDIA. You've yeah, you've left the specs for me on this. That's fine. I'll take that one. I tweeted it. The new NVIDIA Bluefield 3 is going to be a 400 gigabit per second data center infrastructure processor. It's built on 16 ARM A78 cores, and it's going to have ConnectX 7, PCIe Gen 5, a DDR5 memory interface. I already mentioned the 22 billion transistors. It's going to be an improvement in spec int from the current Bluefield 2, which is, has a uh, 9 spec int up to 42 spec int. Now, this is a, another future announcement. We're going to be expecting Bluefield 3 next year in 2022. They've also pre-announced a Bluefield 4 which will go up to 160 spec int and a 64 billion transistor chip in 2024. So not a lot else about that other than it'll go to now to 800 gigabit per second. So another doubling. We go to from 200 in the current Bluefield 2 to 400 gigabit per second Bluefield 3, 800 gigabit per second in Bluefield 4. This is this new category of of a dpu although you know they're saying it's a whole new category to me it's really an evolution of the smart nick and we're going to be just looking at how much computation now is out there on the network trying to get computing closer to the data well in summary um you know this was an interesting news raft launch nvidia has this new TikTok model where they're going to be alternating cpu gpu launches working the dpu launches in there all on the horizon um, on the horizon, they have uh, two these two all NVIDIA machines. Uh, when I say all NVIDIA, you know, it really is it's the, the the ARM CPU, the NVIDIA GPU, NVIDIA NVLynx, NVSwitch, and Bannerman. So you know that I think that is um, a big takeaway here. Three chips, yearly leaps, one architecture was the tagline Jensen was pumping during his keynote as he talked about these three different categories of news. So we had AMD Milan in a previous podcast. This podcast, we get Isolake Lake out there and now Project Grace coming from NVIDIA. The hits keep on coming. It's an exciting uh, time to be in HPC, Tiffany. Sure is. All right. Our listeners can go get more of the details on HPC Wire. Tiffany, thanks for helping me wrap up an awful lot of news and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.